The car business is rapidly changing and modern car dealers are meeting the demand. I'm Michael Cirillo, and together we're going to explore what it takes to create a thriving dealership and life in the retail automotive industry. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with subject matter experts that are designed to help you grow. This is The Dealer Playbook. Gang, welcome back to this episode of the Dealer Playbook Podcast. I am on site at Cavender Auto Group's headquarters. Is that can I call it? We call this a headquarters. All right, this is HQ. I am in the. Uh, I don't know what you would call this room. The, uh, the think tank. The, the think tank room. All right, I'm sitting down with WB Cavender. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, obviously, a lot of long history, fourth generation owner, right. um, dealer groups doing well. There's, there's, I mean, by all stretch of imagination, I mean, the business is great. Um, but earlier, you and I were chatting a little bit about, yeah, well, despite things being great, there's still things operationally that you want to be focused on. So before we get into those, and we're going to highlight some of those things and and the things that you're focused on, tell us how you got into the business. I mean, obviously fourth gen, but yeah, what did that really look like getting into the business? Um, so a lot of you know a lot of running around as a kid down at our Cadillac store uh, was originally an Oldsmobile store, right? Uh, Eighty plus years ago, so um, it was always something that we were around. Um, not really fully understanding, you know, what it was or, or kind of the ins and outs. Why of am it. I always here? Yeah, we're always here. <laughs> um, but, you know, you got to see it. And I think really um, it was probably high school or college really where I kind of understood that we did a lot more than just sell cars. You know, we, we really help people. Right. And um, seeing that firsthand, you know, my father would come home and he'd have uh, a neighbor's car. Or he'd, he'd come home in a loner, right? He never had his own car. He was always bringing his own. He was a porter. He was a professional porter. And so, you know, it, it took me getting a little older to kind of understand uh, what we really facilitated other than just selling automobiles and servicing them. Um, it was really kind of long-term. We've been around or been able to stay around because of that hands-on approach to what it was that we do. So right. um, growing up, running around the stores, um, helping in the summers, you know, various jobs, porter, jump box, uh, detailer, washer, service drive valet, you name it. We, we fit all those roles. But I think once um, – and never had any pressure to go in the car business, really. I was going to ask. Yeah. So, there was, no, there, was, no, like, there was no pressure there. I think um, there's always the assumption that, right. you know, you're a male in, a, in an automobile business and family yeah. owned that you're going to go do it. Right. Um, but I went to SMU, um, open-minded, um, didn't have – any dedication to the business or whatnot. I wanted to see what was out there. And I think uh, it was probably the summer, summer of my freshman year, um, really kind of got a hands-on visual of uh, really helping a customer out and, and a situation where, you know, had it been some other dealer group or maybe a public owned group, wouldn't have been able to kind of get in and interject in, in that scenario and really help to the extent that we did. And um, I, I love that part of our business. I think that the ability to kind of fix really ugly or not fun situations for people is super gratifying. And I think it's what helps separates us from the guy down the road is uh, we are accessible. Um, you know, our 
our cell phones are on our business cards. We're around the store every day um, as best we can uh, visually. And, and you know, I, I help two people with situations today that needed kind of some some elevated approval. And one of the things that, that I'm really trying to task myself with is kind of, and, and my cousins as well, is um, kind of passing that down to the 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 lowest em, not employee not lowest level but the right. the valet on the drive sure the, the first point of contact right, right. The, the guy that might not be you know making all the money but he's the he's the first point of contact that a customer is going to see and engage with yeah. right and yeah. so what ownership level does that employee have what what kind of ownership entitlement do, do they have to empowerment you know what empowerment do they have to make decisions on the drive Right. And and if we can have that go from, you know, that first point of contact all the way up to GSM or, you know, variable director or whatever the, the deal is, to have that mindset of what would you do if this was your business mm-hmm. and this was your customer in front of you? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do to make the situation right? right? And I think that's always been, uh, it's not always the funnest piece of the business, but when you come to, you know, an agreement or you, you fix the scenario and you turn a completely awful scenario into a customer who's going to be your customer forever. And, you know, hopefully my children sell their children a car and their grandkids. And you, you see that lineage of, of a a customer base. Yeah. Um, that, that's what I enjoy doing. and, And that's what I think attracted me to the car business um, is doing that piece of it better than the guy down the road. That's an interesting shift in narrative than what we normally hear. We normally hear people falling backwards into the business, no plans and, and or being enticed by the money potential. You're, you were enticed or like you said, attracted to the helping people. Is that something that you were raised with? When, when did you notice like, Hey, I care about, giving back, lifting others? I, I think it was part of growing up. You know, I think our, our fathers and, and their dad and our family um, have been fortunate uh, to be able to do that. Right. You know, we've, we've given a Cadillac away every year to the charity ball for as long as I can oh, remember. Wow. Right. Um, organizations in and around town, Texas Cavaliers, you name it, uh, we're, we're participating in it whether it's new uh, with Cabiner Cares, which is our philanthropic arm of our business, which uh, Lee, Rob, and I started a little over a year ago, and, and that's helping us extend that. But I think giving back uh, has always been just part of our upbringing because we're able to, and it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, we wouldn't be able to, to have this business, which is primarily in and around San Antonio, without the people that live in San Antonio um, that purchase cars from us in service. Right. So yeah. if we don't get back to them, you know, right. what what are we doing right? Because they're our customers and we need to support the community and and their investments in whatever charity. And same same for our employees. You know, if there's something on the table that is important to someone or close to their family or something's happened in their life where they, you know, they've latched on to, to an organization, then we need to participate in that too. Cause right. you know, we are a big family here, not just immediate. Right. And that's, that's where I think it's really, we were talking about, we were talking about that punchline. Uh, there's a cabinet on the door. There's a cabinet on the floor. Floor. Yeah. And that was doable years ago uh, when we had few <laughs> cabinets and few stores. 
Uh, but we had the fifth generation on the ground running around. Lee's got a, a son on the way and Rob just had his third child and I have three children myself. So I was trying to think to me what, what that kind of meant on that level, right? And it, it kind of go, goes back to what we were talking about is like, when you come through the door, you know, any associate you talk to or that you meet is an extension of us. Sure. And and what we're trying to create is that environment of think like an owner, act like an owner, be right. an owner, right. be a cabinder. Right. That's, this is the business, right? right? That's that's who we are and that's what's gotten us here. And so I think as we move forward, um, supporting those decisions and promoting those, you know, mm-hmm. those great jobs. And guess what? It's not always going to be great. Right. We're going to fumble it. Right. And it's it's going to be a, a great attempt that goes wildly wrong. But right. supporting the outcome of that and showing that, hey, take a risk, right? If, right. if you see a situation that you think you need to engage in and, and you think you have the, the way to do it mm-hmm. to, to keep that customer happy and, and you know, happy with us, happy with the brand, promoting the brand, yeah. um, go ahead and do it. And so I was just, we were talking about that, that tagline and not ever wanting to get away from it because of growth or right. not having enough family members well, in the business, but yeah. And it, and it shows, yes, it's, it's family, but it shows that it's a family that stands for something, right? There's, there's a mode of operation. There are core mm-hmm. values that run deep through the DNA of the Cavender name. I mean, like people, people ask me all the time, like, why do I wear this big honking? Like, oh, you're just being a poser, NFL. I'm like, no, it's my family crest. Right. It's a daily reminder that Cirillo's stand for something. And it's a, it's a good reminder that each day my behavior should reflect what I believe we stand for. And so, you know, I see that as you talk about Cavender cares, your philanthropic arm, what inspired you and your your cousins to put that together? So it's always been um, part of part of our life, part of upbringing culture around here. Um, but I think as it kind of, you know, there's three of us. There's there's two fathers now. Five of us um, currently on on our board. Uh, our uncle Stuart passed away a few years ago, um, but. Now it's us and there's there's a lot of reach there. There's a lot of communities, there's a lot of friendships, there's a lot of uh, you know, arms that are that come out. And so I think we were really kind of overwhelmed in the beginning with all of the opportunities that we had. There were some foundational ones that we stick to and that are annual deals that we participate. Um, but I think we just wanted to give back more. Um, and so we you know, we figured out a percentage of, uh, of, our, of our net every month that we set aside that goes purely to philanthropic. And then um, Sydney Montero is our director of Cavender Cares, who she came to us from Whataburger. She's incredible. Awesome. She's really pioneered the, the whole thing from the get-go, organizes it for us. And then we have monthly meetings on, you know, the opportunities that we've been presented with. Um, do we agree with these organizations? Um, do we have employees that participate in these organizations is it something that our kids do at school sure you know and so i think there was just such a a big need for us to participate we had to figure out a way to kind of control it get our arms around it and then really do it efficiently and now that we've been doing it you know going on our second year i think 
year one was kind of open the floodgates to participation, right? Yep. right? Yep. Let's let's dip our toes in all water and meet as many people as we can. It's all spread throughout San Antonio, so it's all for a great cause. Um, but now I think the goal is to kind of consolidate to some really pillar organizations that that you know we really feel strongly about and can donate and participate at a higher level. Yeah. You know, it's really fun to to sprinkle a light dust on everything. But if you can really make an impact, um, you know, we've given a couple cars away to some military veterans, awesome. which has been great yeah. and impactful. Yeah. And so the, the, we want it to be impactful and we want it to be long lasting and, and those relationships with those organizations be constant. You know, we yeah. want them to know that we're going to be there to participate and just isn't a, a one-off deal or a, a hole-in-one car golf yeah. tournament, yeah. something with right. a little more substance. Know, yeah, substance. Too. Yeah, I love it. Let's shift gears a little bit. I mean, obviously, in your position as an executive, um, where we're in an industry where the we often refer to the stakes being so high all the time and preserving gross and making sure nets where it needs to be and making sure our people are taken care of. Um, and then, of course, customers making sure that the hospitality side of what we do is where it needs to be, whether it's, you know, CSI scores or whatnot. How do you as as an executive leader in an organization where the stakes are high um, build in the patience and or grace needed to train your team so that they grow? Yeah, it's uh, well. In our in our scenario, uh, you know, my two cousins and I um, are all very different, all very different. Right. Um, we have extremely analytical, um, kind of analytical, and really not so analytical. Right. Right. And so we've seen, you know, I, we've been at this for thirteen years. Thirteen years. I'm about to be thirty five. So been doing it for a while. Been around it for a long time. But graduated from NADA. Um, know all the composite work, all the metrics is all the things that are supposed to be there. Right. Um, and I think that it can really get overwhelming, it can really get too much. I mean, if you have a manager spending an hour at the end of his day, putting together KPIs and all sorts of things, um, it can kind of get repetitive and kind of lose its, you know, its flair. And then also the focus of what you're trying to accomplish. Right. Um, so for me, there's some key factors that I've always looked at, you know, to me, uh, my look to book has always been one of uh, one of the most important things you can do in a dealership for for many reasons. Um, you can look at front end gross, back end gross, um, you know, your finance pin, all that stuff, all the stuff that we know, um, and it's all very valuable if you're learning from it and using it in the right manner. But at the end of the day, if if I've done or spent you know, $500 to get you into the store, right? And then I've invested X amount of time to land you on a car mm -hmm. and, you know, you have a trade <laughs> and you're going to finance with me and you're a repeat customer and whatnot. I don't, I don't really ever want that to like, oh man, this might not look good on paper, right? The, the whole point is to continue the business with this employee or this customer and, keep them in a, in a cabinet vehicle and servicing with us. So I think it's very nice to train and be knowledgeable on all those key metrics and have them be in the back of your head. You can review them, go over them. Um, but I, the overall big picture needs to be continue the relationship 
with the customer, make sure that they're happy with us as their car person, right? Anything car, and maybe insurance, and, right? You know, yeah, some yeah, other things as well. Yeah. But really, just the partnership between them and us needs to be strong. And as long as we're being transparent with right. them, right. they're telling us what they need. Yeah. Uh, and we're doing a good job at that. I, I really don't think that your numbers are going to be all that out of whack to the point where you have to, you know, have some boot camp on, right. you know, finance <laughs> pen or front end gross. Honestly, right. because right. if you did the steps right, your sale to the process, your road to the sale was all done properly, and the you know the the camaraderie between the customer and the associate is strong. Everyone's being fair. Everyone's getting what they need, and it it should be there. <clears throat> Now, I mean, yeah. there are times where you you don't have that, right? And you have to, you know, review it and and do some analysis on where you're missing the boat, or you know, where you could improve uh, uh, word tracks, training, things sure. like that. But um, I, I'm of the the thought process that if you're taking care of the customer the right way, they're happy, the experience is good. There's not a lot of hold up or smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. That at the end of the day, your result is going to be profitable and and happy on both sides. How do you convey that to your team who's ultimately caring for these people? Because I know, like, very real. I know that over the years in business, I have developed an acumen or a skill set for how I can schmooze or get to know someone or connect or whatever it might be. And ultimately, then because of all those years of experience the way I would do it is going to be different than say an entry level yeah. uh, position. What are the, uh, you know, how do you, how do you convey that ability to care for someone in a way that you would be comfortable going and resting your pillow? And cause I think a lot of not just dealers, just business owners in general, myself yeah. included struggle with that where, you know, I lay my head on my pillow and I'm like, please, please, dear Lord, I hope my people are taking care of our customers yeah. the way that I would. Right. Right. Um, you know, I think right off the bat, it, it boils down to who you're hiring and why you're hiring them. Mm. Um, yeah. you know, we've had, um, some years where, uh, we've had some higher turnover than we've liked. Sure. Um, and we, I guess we would say those are some transitional points where we really thought about what we want the brand to stand for and what we want it to be. And you know, a lot of those metrics and a lot of those uh, data points that you were talking about earlier can be pretty telling mm-hmm. in an associate sure. from time to time. Right. Um, but it's an interview process. It's it's a way of life. It's a way of holding yourself and and really how you want that to resonate through when you when you gain traction on it and and you're moving in a percentage way of a a, a body of you know, amazing employees who all believe in the same deal. It's really easy to identify those that don't want to participate mm. in that. Sure. Way. And it's not, it's not a bad thing, right? It's a, Hey, we just, we're just not, not your game. We're not seeing eye to eye. Sure. And, and, you know, we've had circumstances uh, recently where you have a grade top of the line technicians. Yeah. Hard to come by really really hard to find like extremely hard (laughs) and um you know maybe just um not a cultural fit sure not a cultural fit uh in an environment that 
there's a lot of personalities. There are a lot of personalities uh, mm-hmm. in service shops. Sure. Right. And those decisions are hard to, to make, um, but they're ones that if you have kind of what you're trying to accomplish set up, it's not that difficult to make that decision and um, part ways on really good terms, uh, hopefully, um, that, you know what, we just, we don't do things the same way. And that's not to discredit you and that's not to discredit us. Right. It's just that culturally what we're trying to accomplish yeah. isn't really in line. And so I think it's hard. It's really hard um, to, you know, we have 700, over 750 employees now. Um, we have dealerships that are outside of San Antonio. So our accessibility to just get in the car and go drive to a, a, a organization of ours isn't, you know, there unless right. you want to drive five hours, which we do. Yeah. But I think as it snowballs and you get that conversation out there and it's talked about, and you're providing the support to key players there to enforce what it is that we want the culture to be. Right. Um, it, it people either you know realize that that's for them or it's not. Sure. Yeah. And so starts with hiring, but really also is our responsibility um, as executives and employees to eat, sleep, and breathe it on a daily basis and communicate that to mm-hmm. others that that. That is our mission. That is what we want to accomplish. And that is how we want our associates, you know, handling people um, in that manner. Love it, man. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes with me here on the Dealer Playbook. How can those listening and watching contact you or get in touch with you? Oh, man. Uh, They can email me, uh, wb at cabinderauto.com. All our information's on the website. Um, Heck, my 210-838-2113. That's my cell phone. Who went for it? Call 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 or text me anything. We're we're always available 24-7. All these these, uh, princes from Nairobi are going to be calling you, texting you. That's all right. That's all right. Everybody else has it. Why not? Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Appreciate it, man. I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. Thanks for listening.